Welcome back to Change Ed, your 15-minute number one rated podcast in all of Pennsylvania, or at least the area that we're in right now, talking about all things education and the changes that are happening all around us. I am your favorite host, Andrew Kuhn, project consultant from Montgomery County Intermediate Unit. And here with me is Patrice Semichek also out of the Montgomery County Intermediate And I do know now that I am a project consultant. It has been confirmed since our last episode that she's a project consultant. Yep. That is wonderful. Back by popular demand <laughs> is our friend, Jason Zimmerman from the Lancaster Lebanon Intermediate Unit. And I, I, I don't have your, your title, but it was like two things. It was like twice the title of us. It, STEM consultant is fine. This is basically what That it is, is different than last time. <laughs> that last is time. different than yeah. last time. It Teaching changes. and learning consultant for STEM is the technical title, I think. But So what you're saying is since we met last time, you've had a promotion. I, I wish. Right. <laughs> no, this podcast actually brought the promotion. The popularity. <laughs> yes. This is what we do for people. This is why we're selective in who we have come on. You're welcome, Dr. Jason. Thank you. Well, Has that happened already too? Uh, no, that did. I wish. Um, but no, I still have a year and a half left. So. Okay. Well, the uh, all the fan mail that we've been getting, uh, we do have a PO box because people still like I to write it. in. Yeah. Is uh, There's one question that, that is a burning question for everyone. And that question is... Dr. Jason, who is your favorite host on the show? You have two choices because, again, Tony's not here. Shocker. Always taking time off. So of the two that you have, remember we're live, so things can be thrown. Who is your favorite host? Um, well, I think I was told last time that I I was a host now. Yes. So I would say I'd have to say myself. Oh, okay. that <laughs> I'm just kidding. backfired in the most amazing way. So, I love when you do that to yourself. Kurt. We are so thankful for this last time you'll be on the show. Nope. It's really been a pleasure having you. He's here for good. <laughs> He's here for good. <laughs> um, one of the things that we we started to dive into last time we sat down to talk with you, and it resonated a lot with us, and, and again, we've actually gotten a lot of feedback, is specifically around this idea of science and instructional time in science. And, and I know for a fact you've not only did you live it, but you, you've done some research on that. I'm wondering if you can kind of share with our viewers, you know, some of the information and, and even facts that you've been able to pull out about what science education looks like in the U.S. Yeah, so there's some really interesting data out there right now. If we look at the TIMS data from 2019, which is the Trends in International Math and Science study that's done, we can see that on average in the United States, in fourth grade, there's a total of about 1,100 instructional hours that are spent throughout the year. But the average of science instructional hours of that is only 83. Oh, my gosh. And that's only 7.5% of instruction is spent on science. Wow. Which is very small. And that's average, right? And that's average across. So, yeah, we're even looking. There would be even less, less than that. Wow. Right? So when we look at the scores from – so Tim's has data all the way back – in 1995 all the way through the present the the data from the united states really shows that fourth grade elementary scores have just basically plateaued and even gone down since 1995 and so we're not seeing any sort of like positive trajectory for the united states in that eighth grade is pretty similar so eighth grade middle school we do see a little bit of uh increase so there's a 12 percent of instructional time that's spent on science content but again we're not seeing any sort of scores going up since mm -hmm. 1995 we're still plateauing 
But when we look at other countries, so for example, if we take Singapore and we look at their data from 1995, we see their scores almost going up by over 70 points between 1995 to 2019 in their elementary scores. And is there... Uh, information that you have that is explaining why that's happening? So there's some. So uh, NCEE, which is uh, the National Council for Education and the Economy, mm-hmm. really focuses on looking at the structures within their system. So the biggest focus is the amount of time that's spent on professional learning in all of the areas and also the way they focus on supervision too for their teachers, it's a lot of peer review and not as much as like top-down administration supervision, which they sometimes correlate to some of that like development and time that's spent on different subject areas. Wow. Well, I do want to say that uh, 1995 is a great marker. Is it's a great you know, year for a lot of things. That's when I was born. No, no you can tell from the look of my face. <laughs> no, I know our viewers wasn't. can't see me, so I appreciate you validating. Yeah, very that. young, very youthful. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, so that's obviously why there's great things. They started collecting this data. They knew things Correct. had to happen. But I think the thing that resonates with me the most, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> is my concern. Not only because that percentage is so low, but the fact that that's an average, right? right. So. Yes, some might be doing more than that, but even more probably doing less, right? Like you can have an outlier where it's like, Mm -hmm. no, we do an hour, an hour a day of science and that's going to really skew the data um, and and this, this low percentage. So what, what does that mean? Right? Like, like if I'm, you know, if I have very little in and then, and then we're building, is that what, what is the impact of that? If I have very little in elementary, what, what does that, the trajectory look like then for, me as a student. I mean, when I just think about it, looking at the NGSS and Steele's progressions that they have, what we're basically asking kids to do is when they start middle school and now they have science probably every day from a certified science teacher, much more intensive course, they're starting sixth grade at a level, you know, let's say a level 10, Mm -hmm. but they didn't actually go through levels one, two, three, four, five. We're just asking them to jump all the way up to 10. And that's why a lot of our secondary teachers are saying, our students don't feel prepared for these courses. They're struggling. They feel like it's so hard. They don't have the stamina. And really a lot of it is because they didn't have the steps Mm -hmm. in place to actually build their knowledge to get to that point. Or experience even. I've heard that from multiple sixth grade teachers that yeah. they have to go back and teach five years worth of science. Yeah, like the basics, right? Just so they can access the sixth grade curriculum. And I don't think it just ups it. I mean, I, I know you have teachers are referencing at sixth grade, but even high school teachers, like, it doesn't matter what they teach before that because I have to redo it, you know. For like sure. I, it's not a that domino. it doesn't matter, but yeah, this this could be the explanation of that. It, it, it almost sounds like uh, what's ending up happening is like a... a hopscotch scaffolding, right? Like what could we, you know, we're using tape and glue and we're kind of trying to to peel it all together instead of actually building something, a solid structure that we can get up to. But, but also, yeah, you've all that lost time. We can't actually make it up. Like we still have the same amount of time, Uh, a high school course, you might have an hour a day and you're trying, now you're trying to backfill uh, to get to the spot. Uh, So, so could Steels offer some sort of a solution to this? Like, you get on board in the school, you get on board in the district. Like, what would the impacts be moving forward? Could there be some hidden gem of a solution in here for the time concern? 
That's a great question. So, um, of course it is. I, I guess I'll name drop, you know, it's <laughs> that always happens, right? So, I recently got to hear Heidi Schweingruber speak from the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine out of Washington, D.C. And we asked her this question and we said, What do we do with schools that like elementary science isn't really occurring or maybe it's occurring 15 minutes every other day but then if there's an early dismissal it's taken out and all of that Mm -hmm. and her approach really was a lot of times schools need a sample schedule how do they actually make it work create a couple different scenarios of how could they address still getting ela in still getting math in because we of course need that we need lunch we need all of those things but how do we could we actually create some sample schedules and just provide them with this is option ABC and share that with them? Because when we look at research, it really does show that there is a large amount of time that should be set aside for science on a daily basis. And that number can look like uh, there's one research study out there that used about 4,000 elementary school classrooms and or sorry, 4,000 elementary schools. Uh, So that looked at over 12,000 elementary classrooms and found that if 45 minutes is designated to science on a daily basis, it was increasing student achievement and also their ability in those areas and showing a lot of growth for them. Um, And that was a study by Curran and Kitchen from 2019. And I don't know that we're seeing that 45 minutes a day (laughs) looking at that data from Tim's. You know, when they're looking at 83 hours for the whole year, I don't think that math is really mathing at the end of the day. <laughs> I love that phrase. That's generous math. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we're mathing here in our uh, live session, what's interesting is that most schools need to have 100, 180 is like the magical number for, for days, right? So right. we're not even talking about half of the days that they would spend an hour Right. Like it's even less than right. that. So when you divide that out and you think, okay, I have 180 days. I have all this time I can spend with you working, but uh, on science, but we, we, we don't even spend that much, that much time uh, doing it. Yeah. One of the other points is really showing that in order to do true inquiry based, authentic learning, that's meaningful, incorporating real world. We talked about as community, as curriculum last time. If we want to actually do those things, you have to set aside time to do it because Mm -hmm. it's going to be messy, whether that means like physically with things in the classroom that we're investigating in or even just messy cognitively, Mm -hmm. like creating space for students to actually stop and think. And I don't think that can really be done in a 20 minute period of time. I think that's what teachers are struggling with because it's really hard to create that By the time you get into the discussion, it's like the class period's already over and the students were maybe just warming up to the idea. The conversation was just getting good and now we have to leave for buses or go to special or lunch or whatever. I think too, we also need to, because we've done such a good job of schooling kids, we have to teach them how to be able to even begin to have those conversations and start thinking about their thinking and things like that. So I think it's, again, messy on all aspects because we have to teach kids how to ask questions and how to investigate and how to really enjoy inquiry. And I've seen once we start getting them to that inquiry piece, they just take it and fly with it and they're awesome. It's just maybe we need some scaffolds and supports to get them to the point where they're 
ready to do that too. So that's just another layer that we have to think about. Yeah, I think the kids are ready. The kids, I, I think, want to do it. We know kids are naturally curious and full of wonderment. We just have to let them do it. Let them do it and don't school them out of it. Yeah. Right. Great thoughts. Good. I, but I, every time I have something, and then you two yahoos keep talking. I, I feel like it. we're just stealing, you know, all the good, Again, the good one-liners or something. he doesn't need to be here anymore. <laughs> no, no, you I make this happen. You are done. This is You no longer podcast. have we the silver microphone. You've lost it. <laughs> yeah, by the way, listeners, he has a very shiny silver microphone, and we have the, they're very nice, but they're like these, they're just like black, very matte dull. black microphones, and you know. He also refers to himself as the talent, so the oh, talent that has to get the microphone. This is, this is where this is. This is what happened, yeah. Yeah, and it's staying. <laughs> it's staying. Okay. I can't. I can't. I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts, and they're high quality thoughts. Time's People up. Time's it. up. No, no, no. Because we paused. Because you messed up that one time. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we're still recording. <laughs> you know, one of the the uh, all, I'm going to call it a buzzword that has flown around education for a long time is a growth mindset and having a growth mindset. And what does that look like? And people have embraced that in various ways, but I actually think that this is our moment as educators and as, as people have become part of the institution of education to be able to embrace these changes and have these hard conversations, right? Like this is the work having these conversations and being ambassadors for this change, whatever that might look like. So just, Getting a no doesn't mean no, never. It might be like, well, this is hard. Like, I need to build up the cause. We need to, to uh, have discourse and have dialogue and embrace this with more people and get people on our team. But when we think back to any educator who was like, why do I want to get into education? It wasn't because I love the schedule and I love how it works, <laughs> right? And 83 hours of science, sign me up, right? And it doesn't matter. Maybe maybe the, the, the subject and the reason that you're listening to this is because you love the host or because you uh, just are interested in changing education. And it, science might not be your jam. It might be something else. But whatever it is, uh, th there's this bigger conversation of like, again, the system's thinking around uh, what are we doing and why are we doing it? And could we ask questions, not because we're challenging it, but asking questions because maybe there are other ways. Maybe there are better ways. Uh, you know, things that we can learn. We appreciate you talking about, you know, things that are happening in other parts of the world and things that we can learn from there. And so asking questions uh, we're being good scientists and we're doing a good job mathing uh, on this on in here true. as well. That's true. So, uh, Jason, for your last time ever being on this show, nope. Uh, nope. we'd like to give you a, a chance to have your closing thoughts. I think my closing thoughts today are, are we willing to take the risk? I think it's difficult to take risks when we're looking at things that happen in a system because a lot of things come into play. But I think we have to have the willingness to actually make those changes. And like you said, have those hard conversations. It's not going to be easy, but that's also what we're asking our students to do with these new standards. We're asking them to be innovative. We're asking them to think outside of the box, to collaborate, to come together with all these people. So are we doing that? And so I think that's the question to ask our, you know, educational leaders as we think about implementing these new steel standards. I think what you're talking about is being model learners Correct. in front of our class. And I don't like what you did there because you're trying to get yourself back in for another episode. He doesn't have to try. He's in. <laughs> so uh, if you have a teacher that you know, and we're all in education, so we know teachers, and you like them, 
be sure to share this podcast with them because there's there's good nuggets in here. Absolutely. I'll add this to my daily commute list now, I think. Well, you can listen oh. to four episodes when you're traveling to an hour away. That as that's actually really true. Yeah. 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 Who doesn't I, want? I just I just math right there for you. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't want four hours of cooning in a year? <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of people. So uh Listen, we look forward to connecting with you and be sure to join us for our next episode so we can talk more about our moment. 